Um, is, is there anybody here that does not believe in God? You better chime in now. Yeah, you Because I'm going to call you out on it. Who? You. Do you believe in What's your answer? That's not. Uh, Danny wants to know if you believe in God. I don't know. I'm still finding my way. <laughs> the jury's still out. <laughs> what does that mean? No, it's just I have not had the experiences that you both have had. So are you saying you're I'm, agnostic? I'm agnostic. We got two agnostics. Okay, all right. I, I, what, it's out of respect, is it, uh, what I'm saying here. I'm opening this, and there's a relic of the true cross that Christ was crucified on. You know, and I don't know how respectful that is to bring it out. Well, Lorraine, as another Roman Catholic who believes, certainly Jesus was confronted with doubters, I, doubting Thomas. Doubting so, Thomas. okay. Okay, here's, there is the wood right there. Off the true cross that Christ was crucified on. This is written by the clergyman. This uh, this cross is good and true. The good you do with this cross is the good you do for Him. Did you take that into the Amityville house? I didn't have it. I didn't have this in at that time. scares us and what saves us. This is the fear of God. Hello and welcome back to your favorite podcast at the intersection of faith and fear where every week we discuss what scares us in order to find what saves us. This is the fear of God. Speaking to you right now is one of your hosts, Nathan Rouse, and typically with me is fellow co-host Reed Lackey. And guys, he was here. He was, but he he got real stern. He said he was going to have words with me after this is done. Y'all know Lackey. He can, when he wants to just 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 glare at you with those beady little lackey eyes. He he just bores right in. I'm I'm sure I hope he'll be over it by the time he gets back. In the meantime, allow me to welcome you listeners back to the show, back to the patron voted series. Doc, you scared? That's right. This series and almost all of the series we're going to be covering this year are voted on by our patrons. Join them, and you, too, can vote on what films we cover. And this particular series, again, titled Scared," 
we are covering horror-themed documentaries. Last week, we discovered the Grace Notes in the documentary Leap of Faith. This week, we'll be exploring the Conjuring Extended Universe documentary My Amityville Horror. Additionally, we'll be tracking a TV guy post in the series of episodes of the Shudder original show, Cursed Films. And you can find that only in our patron segment. But before we walk too far down memory lane, permit me to remind you listeners that here at the Fear of God, we explore. We don't explain. Except for right now, when I explain that you can find every fog and Fear of God thing imaginable at thefearofgodpodcast.com. Things like how to support us on Patreon, as well as essays. Team bios, episode archives, merchandise, read. You're here. I'm sorry, man. I, I didn't mean to step on your toes earlier. Yeah. Don't ever yep. You know what? Speak to me that way again, please. This is over. This whole thing is over. You know what? I'm just, you and I, we're not okay. All right. I'm going to call you out. I'm going to call you out. All right. Just, I'm just, just saying. No, I'm just playing the part right now. Like you, to, like you thrown down the gauntlet. I got, I got no issues with anybody. I'm just, uh, I'm just playing, playing the role that I was assigned. Apparently, in my, in my forays, my adventures, yeah. my adventures pre-pod. Yeah. You know, we need, we need to compile, like, some fan fiction. Compile the pre-pod. It actually, like, you know, stuff. all the, all the little mini adventures that you've sent me off on. Like, somebody needs to, yeah, somebody needs to compile a little fan fiction of like what actually happened when Reed went to try to do that thing, or like what actually mm. prompted, you know, all this other kind of stuff. Yeah. Nobody has the time for that, especially to populate their imaginations with my imaginary life and adventures. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, there's, right. there's a world where that might be fun. I think about that a lot. Do you? Oh, yeah. I I take up What's real estate. Up to? Oh, I live rent free in your head. Oh my gosh. Oh no, it costs. <laughs> and I get a no, lot of costs. And no rent free. What are you talking? Rent free. What did it cost you? Everything. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, hey, Ray, Ray, we had a grand old time talking oh, about that man. Steve Martin movie. That was not um, what we talked about. But. I know. I know. I know. I know. Um, but today, we're not talking about Steve Martin. We're not talking about William Friedkin. No. We are not. Before we get to what we're exactly talking about, got any business? I mean, the usual suspects. Give us a review on it's Apple a good Podcasts. Movie. Yeah. Oh, oh right. yes, the, the, yes. Um, give us a review on Apple Podcasts. We haven't, or on your podcast. It's a platform. bit mired in a bit of a torrid legacy at this point, but it's, it's that's, still a good movie. That's a good point. There's a lot going on in that. That's like, oh, okay, yeah. maybe not. Hmm. Maybe not. Um, <laughs> it was the greatest trick the devil ever pulled. <laughs> Sorry, didn't mean to no, that's okay. <laughs> derail us quite so hard. That's, that's okay. So so back to the point at hand. Uh, rate and review yeah. us on uh, Apple Podcasts or your podcast platform <laughs> of choice. Become a Patreon. Uh, like, a, become a Patreon. You become a Patreon. Start, start yeah. a Patreon and then, like, no, no, no. Uh, um, become a patron. Uh, we love to have you. We give some exclusive segments every episode. Or if we don't have an exclusive patron, episode uh a, a patron segment you're gonna get the episode early that's fun uh so you know what? the quarterly king dropped for people on like you know sunday afternoon so like you never know what? how early we're gonna what what so uh um, yeah. yeah so anyway um please by all means become a patron for those of you who are patrons and have become one uh thank you so you're much awesome. again we we love you very very much and so um yeah i mean that's really my only business time and speaking of patron segments this we this episode's patron segment we're going to be talking about 
the Cursed Films episode on The Omen, and also uh, a brief little whatcha, because we haven't done that in a little while. So, uh, what so yeah. Whatcha, whatcha, whatcha. So, with that, you want to head to the Patron Mobile? To the Patron Mobile! So about this movie, Reed. Riri. So it's... let me just throw something at you. Oh, um, duck. <laughs> duck. Uh, we can get into the ins and outs of it, but we've already alluded to it. So I at least want to name check it. That scene. Um, I'm going to have words with you after this is done. If this movie came out this year, that would be a Foggy's submission for me. Isn't it nuts? That, that was, was uh, so uh, tense. I was like, you just. Are you talking to me? <laughs> that guy's anyway, a yeah, yeah, yeah. that guy's a character, man. Like he's he's interesting, and you can tell. So we referenced last week in our conversation with Andrew Nelson, and I believe this reference was in the patron segment. So I'll briefly recap it for those who maybe uh, did not hear the patron segment about question marks about the intentions of documentary filmmakers and like what is your intent here and. And, 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 and what are you aiming for? What are you doing? And it is very clear that Daniel Lutz, so a brief, a brief summary of what this film is about. This is uh, an observation of a man by the name of Daniel Lutz, Danny Lutz, uh, who was a child at the time that the Lutz family moved into the house uh, known as the Amityville house. And he experienced so many uh, like paranormal things and he experienced things that he can't explain. This film is him as an adult and, you know, basically recounting this and towards the end of the film, it's the final scene of the film. The filmmaker, I'm presuming, I'm presuming yeah. it's the director yeah. asks him if he'd be willing to take a lie detector test. And he has a profound reaction to that. <laughs> that is not, uh, that is alarming. Well, because so. one of the one of the stronger aspects of the whole enterprise is Star Trek reference there. Um, yeah, I is, appreciate it. Mm-hmm, uh, the question of his veracity mm-hmm. and and not just his veracity. To be fair, it just the 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 story itself, the legacy itself, right. and kind of right. all of that. And so he's inquired, or he's you know asked about the lie detector, and he's like. My name is Daniel Lutz, and I cannot lie. <laughs> you other brothers can't deny. <laughs> when a Lutz walks into a little bitty room, and a, <laughs> <laughs> and a camera in your face, you tell the truth. Oh, my God. Oh, my gosh. That's, you know, about wow. three minutes ago when I chuckled while you were talking? That's what you were thinking of. That's I'd, Yep. Yep. I've learned. And I had to wait for it. And then you served it up to me because you, yes. you mm-hmm. yeah. teed me up with the lie detector. I know. I'm, like, I, I'm going to do it. I have learned. That in the course of conversation, sometimes you're just going to like, and I'm like, oh, okay, he's something funny struck uh-huh. and I'll either get to hear it or I won't be privy to it until later. But, um, yeah, so, uh, I'll find a way <laughs> life finds a way. Um, but yeah, so, so this film is interesting. I will say for myself, um, I do wonder if the filmmakers are trying to honor Danny's telling of his story 
or if they are trying to kind of exploit the the more outlandish aspects of it. I wondered that multiple times through the watching of the film is I wondered, I was like, okay, are th- I'm going to say it this way. This is edging towards a bit disrespectful. I don't mean it exi- as disrespectful. I mean it as uh, a-, a-, a metaphor to how I felt about it. I wondered if they aimed to try to be honest with Danny's story or if they were like, viewed it as examining a zoo exhibit or something like I really doubted through the course of the film, their perspective on Danny's story. Yes. You. Well, I think that's a reasonable curiosity. Um, I also think, and I I don't remember exactly where I heard it coined this way, but there's, you know, there's the movie you plan, there's the movie you shoot, and then there's the movie you cut, right? Mm, It's it's three Mm -hmm. different, things and i think there's a world where i don't get the impression that it's set out to be not that you phrase it this way but sure sure no i understand Mm -hmm. that it's set out to be kind of a gotcha piece i don't think i don't i I, um i think he is savvy enough that he would not have agreed if for some reason that was the case and then it would and surely he would have to have approved some version of release so i think there's a question mark there understood but also the crossover that happens in the middle of the movie i don't know that you get those types of moments if the intention is you know kind of uh sideways yeah that's fair Um, it's fair but i think there's a world because because here's the thing i've never seen any of the amityville movies Mm -hmm. and so i'm learning they're not good uh, okay um yeah didn't ask but um (laughs) The <laughs> I'm learning Turn as I'm watching off, this then. documentary. <laughs> like, fuck, let me leave you alone with your thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> I'm learning as I'm watching this documentary what those are about and all that sort of stuff. So I- I'm learning a lot as I go. But the composition of this film, My Amityville Horror, it's almost like, you know, I do think the intention was, okay, let's explore this character's story, this guy's story. Yeah. And when you get a moment like that on film, it's almost like, well, that kind of has to be a button. Yeah. And it's either an act, it's either an act break or it's the end of the film. Yeah. Okay. Well, if it's the end of the film now, effectively what you're building is, yeah, it's an examination of an unreliable narrator, Mm -hmm. which isn't to say he is false. It is to say, there's a lot of conflicting evidence and sure, sure. You know, the, as, as the movie talks about the power of suggestion, the power of persuasion, I found it interesting. This is all kind of in the spirit of, you know, kind of what's the intention. It's interesting. Cause I, there were moments late in the movie when the experts are rationalizing mm-hmm. and I almost thought, well, that that's too easy. Uh, even though I respect experts and, you know, like there sure. are people who have spent a lot of time and energy and effort and even money and fields to become, uh, develop that expertise at the same time, it's not so easy. I think to look at this character story and simply say, Oh, suggestion. Right. Or, Oh, persuasion. There's a great moment. And we, you know, we can talk about elements of the movie where, uh, one of the recurring, scenes is him with a therapist it's the curly-headed woman yes Mm -hmm. and this like i wrote it like this was hysterical to me and danny 
and again, this is adult Danny. If you haven't watched the movie, it is actually definitely worth watching. Go check it out. But um, it's adult Danny who just has this kind of street smart world weary chip on his shoulder Mm -hmm. might hug you as well as slice you kind of persona. Yeah. Right. Right. Same all, all of that. And he's in this scene with this therapist and he's like, I can't talk if I don't know you. She's kind of prompting him for right. kind of deep stuff. You know, yeah, therapist sure, would. Sure. I can't talk if I don't know you. And his, he poses back to her. He says, well, what's the most traumatic, traumatic thing that's happened to you? And she didn't ask that. He's pivoting that question back. Right. I don't think she asked that. Mm. But so it's just fascinating that that's what he chooses. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, you know, tit for tat here. Right. right. <laughs> I just love, I love. Because we do know enough about Danny at this point yeah. to know. Yes, I know where you're going. However now. truthful all of it is or isn't, there's some there's some heavy shit. In oh, his life absolutely. For for decades and decades and decades, and he's like, well, I can't talk if I don't know you. What's the most traumatic thing that happened to you? And this sweet like professional, yes, psychiatrist. She was like, Well, when I was 12, and you keep waiting. Like I'm like, How open is she about to be? Sure, of course. And she goes. I moved, I moved from another country to the U S and that was very traumatic and it's just silent. And I was like that. No <laughs> sister. Now they do come together and have a moment, you right, know, kind of get right. past it, but it was hysterical. It's like this dude, I, it wouldn't surprise me if he just jumped her right there. Like <laughs> what are he you talking about? Walks out the F, room. Like F really couch. Yeah. 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 That's the most <laughs> traumatic thing. It's like, oh man, because you can see it on his face. He's sitting there. He's like, oh like, yeah, really? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it's just like, hmm, I'm about to tell you about how I was thrown up the stairs and possession and smash my hands and everything. It's like, oh, okay, yes, uh, yeah. I did, I did make note of that because it's interesting. You never can quite tell how comfortable he is in his moments, whether he's talking with. The former investigative reporter who's come back and, 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 and is conversing with him in front of this film uh, when he goes to visit Lorraine, everything like you, you can never tell exactly how comfortable he's being in this moment. But that was one standout where I read every thought in his head. When she was like, yeah, moving, moving from one country to another one was the most traumatic thing that happened. To me. It's like, it's like, oh. that's when you side with him in the moment. You're like, <laughs> it's just like, I know you're a little unreliable here, but. I'm with you. She's crazy. You know? <laughs> no joke. No <laughs> That's joke. a dumb response. Oh, man. Um, so, yeah. Um, so the film, you know, basically follows him as he's conversing. It, 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 it is in little like chapter segments, not clearly divided chapter segments, but little segmented parts, part of where he talks and describes his own experience, part of where an investigative reporter who was with the Lutz family at the time and has come back into the picture to kind of you know, look back on everything. She's interviewed and she spends some time actually conversing with Danny inside the, the movie. And then, um, we'll get to it. I'm sure in, in greater detail, but man, when I was watching this film for the first time, nowhere did I suspect, Oh, we're about to have an extended scene with the Lorraine Warren, like the, the, the person Featured in every Conjuring film played by Vera Farmiga, I'm like, wow, we're gonna get like an actual. I felt like it was a superstar walked onto set. I was like, whoa, that's 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 the real. And then they show like well, the Annabelle doll and everything. I was like, whoa, so yeah. You know, 
read. You know how <laughs> Ghostbusters, what is it? When someone asks, are you a god? You say yes. Is that the line? Something like that. Oh, like, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got Lorraine Warren up here. Reed, is there... <laughs> you know who you don't want to be in life? <laughs> is the is the person on the film crew <laughs> in the room when Lorraine Warren... I don't know. I don't get it all. I've seen the Conjuring movies. I don't know what to make of it. Right. I sure. don't know. Sure. That's okay. Mm-hmm. There's... I'm, it is is not for me to know all the things, and I'm okay with that. Right, it freaks right. me out a little bit. It might be true. It might who uh, who can say? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm just thankful I've never had to be in this moment. So sure, Lorraine Warren, the paragon of just real life. It's she's like she's like a real life supernatural Ellen Ripley, right? She's like she will. <laughs> She will F you up. That's right. Yes. If you are yes. mm-hmm. on the side of wickedness and deviousness. Oh, she's got your number. Yeah. But if you're in the room <laughs> <laughs> and you're on this film crew <laughs> and Lorraine Warren, who purports to have an actual splinter from the actual cross upon which Jesus died in her yes. little, you know, little totem, little icon, little cross. When that Lorraine Warren says to a room, does anyone here not believe in God? <laughs> I'm not raising my hand. Nope. Mm-mm. I could be the most died in the wool agnostic atheist in the planet <laughs> right. in history. And I'm like, uh-uh. no, <laughs> <laughs> I turn on Gaither vocal band. I'm like, he real? He died for my sins. <laughs> <laughs> turn up. I start queuing up because Jesus. You know, uh-uh. I'm not raising my hand. Uh-oh. I am. I got mm-hmm. saved right then. You know, <laughs> like just watching the movie. I'm like, yes, Lord. <laughs> uh huh. And you've got oh Lorraine Warren asking a room full of strangers. Does anyone here not believe in God? And her enforcer, Danny Lutz, sitting next to her. Oh, my God. Wide eyed. He's looking for him. <laughs> oh it's like, gosh. oh, my God. It's like the eye of Sauron. <laughs> Just scanning the room, waiting for somebody to just <laughs> like, f up. I mean, it is he's looking intense. around like say something. Like, yeah, it's say perfect. something. Yeah. Like, say something. You better say something. We'll call you out. Like, you he better is, say something. He is just coiled like a snake, oh, ready man. to just tear someone's throat out if they say the wrong thing in response Lord to that question. Have it was mercy. That was a hell of a moment. Yeah, no joke, no joke. I loved, does, and and someone does. I love it. Yes, someone does. Like, um, but, um, but you, but you um, hear how she the jury's the jury's out. I'm, I'm a uh, you know kind of granola. I don't know. But uh, that's, Black Lives Matter. Exactly, you know, I'm kidding. Black but, Lives do matter. But no, but that's, that's what it felt like. But no, that's what he says. He's literally like the jury's still out on this. Like, what does that mean? I'm like, oh my, yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm like, I mean, you're you're for him. Like, uh, uh, <laughs> like, this, sh- sh- this guy's about, it. This guy's about to. Get this punched. is one of those moments you don't speak your truth. No, yeah, exactly. this one. Just keep it to yourself. Keep it to yourself. You ain't Sophie Show. No, 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 no. No. With that. Oh my gosh! No. That's like yeah. It's like do not like look in the background of the frame in the far right corner is the Annabelle doll in the little case. It says "Do not open this thing." In that room, <laughs> like you do not like the gorilla in the Omen <laughs> cursed films. What you don't see until you go back and look at that scene is the Annabelle doll goes, <laughs> you know, and looks, looks at, her like, at that, like, that crew person. Well, do you believe in God? <laughs> well, do you believe in God? <laughs> it's like I do, I do, I do. <laughs> You know, talking about cursed films, that crew guy's dead now. 
poor man. Poor man. He's like, where's that cross? Where's that cross? I believe, I believe, I believe. I believe. <laughs> well, ma'am, I uh, I believe. Help my unbelief, you know? Oh, She's my like, Lord. <laughs> they gave the most milk toast answer gracious. to the, it was the, that was the part that like really, I found so uncomfortable is the like he's just like well I'm on a different journey I'm like well you just spit a thing out like oh, like gosh. oh my god just don't um but yeah so you're just like why are you even talking just don't <laughs> just don't don't bother like just that is a moment of just inner reflection right mm-hmm. yeah like <laughs> like nope no no I'm gonna I'm gonna be quiet right now <laughs> you're gonna have the impulse to answer this sweet old lady who will cut you. <laughs> You know, she will take that shard of the cross and just stab it. Oh my gosh. You're going to no, you're going to pull a Mark Cohen at that moment from walking in Memphis. Like, tell me, are you a Christian child? Ma'am, I am tonight. (laughs) I am tonight. I am tonight. (laughs) Oh, that's a, that's a hell of a song. (laughs) I love that song. I love that song. No, it's, but uh, getting back to, so yes, to that moment, but like, I am tonight. (laughs) But uh, does anyone in the room not believe in God? Ma'am, uh, I do tonight. <laughs> like, nope. Just we all. Nope. We we all we all believe. Um, I will say that just like when they, it just I don't know. I can't describe the energy around it. Like when it said like, oh, they're at they're at Lorraine Warren's house. I was like, what? Uh, what? They're at Lorraine Warren's house. You're like, like Leo pointing at the scene, pointing <laughs> at the screen. Like, oh, 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 look at this. Like, yeah, man. I really. It's just I don't know. Just like the energy because I'd not seen like interviews with her or anything like that. But of course, have sat with the Conjuring films for multiple years now. So I was just like, oh my gosh. And then here she is. Uh, it's like in when this movie Iron Man shows up in Far From Home, like her <laughs> Homecoming. Like what? Just, like what? <laughs> what just happened? To Tony you? Stark. But yeah. I will say that like her presence there it enforced for me i was like man i mean she's she's passed on now but it it, it enforced for me i was like she seems like really lovely woman and it it i took note of the fact that amidst a myriad of other things that danny said veracity or not he said it only about the warrens that they were the only ones who could bring any sort of solace or comfort to the situation so what you know whatever took place all the the different things he said of the Warrens before they went, you know, before he went back to her house, um, he said of them, he's like, they were the only ones who brought any sort of comfort to the situation. And, uh, and I did take note of that because I thought like, oh, that's, you know, it, that, that's interesting. You described her kind of jokingly as, and I agree as like, you know, supernatural Ellen Ripley. She comes off. I like when he's describing like, oh yeah, I went out into the desert and I love how she like looks at the investigative reporter like, what's he What's he talking about here? Like, I just loved the way she was in the moment because she seemed like somebody who was really, you know, like wanting to have an honest conversation. And then somebody says something that doesn't quite make sense. And so she doesn't just roll with it. She's just like, what? What are you talking about? And I just loved that about her. She seemed like she was, seemed like she would have been a really lovely, lovely woman from that brief moment, that brief scene. So, yeah. Do you want. To build a snow. How about hmm? come on and go outside, go and play. <laughs> the do. Um, would you like to talk about things that aren't just wrong? But read, they ain't right.
sure as hell ain't right. They ain't. They ain't. Oh, oh man. So, so that ain't right. I think top of my list because I didn't realize because these documentaries have me ordering my notes a little differently than I would have otherwise. But uh, yeah, the Lorraine Warren asking the room, "Do you believe in God in this room?" <laughs> you know, I was like, "That was a bad wow." <laughs> Wow. I can hear someone is agnostic. I'm really gonna call you out. Oh. I'm gonna stab you with my Jesus stick. Oh my you know? god. <laughs> it's just getting weird now. <laughs> stab you with the Jesus stick. Like, no, no, getting no. weird. Come on, Reed. Man's, Wait past that. Man, it's boy. like getting weird. What it's movie like, did you watch? Oh, man. It's like someone saying, well, that time I moved was very traumatic for me. Oh, you know? my Lord have um, mercy. So, yes. <clears throat> but, yeah, that that would have topped my list. Question. Answer. What's up with the dog? I kind of missed what was happening in that story. That the dog, the dog with, hanging himself? Well, with the garage door. So, it is not explained in profound detail. But what I gl- gathered from okay. it. It wasn't just me then. No, no, no. What I gathered from it was that the dog, the garage door was like going up and down and I think the the latch, the hanging mm. latch, was like wrapped around mm-hmm. the dog, and so the dog was oh, like, okay. yeah. yeah, yeah. So okay, but, that's enough. But it's not yeah, right. it's it's not gone into in profound detail. But yeah, that ain't right. You know what ain't right? You know what ain't right? It's one of mm. the wildest, weirdest things because every single one of those very skeptical, very disbelieving little investigative reporters and all of these people who are sitting there like power of suggestion i've seen scarier movies than the six hours i spent in that house blah 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 it ain't nothing to it i tell you what they still Uh they every single one of them said there were no children in that house but that photograph that is a child Oh, lorraine's photo yeah i was like yeah that was on my list every single one of them attested that there were no children in that house and yet there is a photograph right there with a child very clearly peeking over the banister. I'm like, okay, if there was no children in that house at all and you were there when that photograph was taken, how in the world can you just bypass that? Like, how in the world do you just walk right past that? Like, oh, it's a trick of the light. That's like, that's a face. There's no there's no ornamentation <laughs> on that. That's a face. Pazuzu up in here. Like, it's not. <laughs> I'm just, I was like, man, that is just so... The photograph of the child is near the tippy top of my like that ain't right. Like I don't know who you are or what the just a photograph of any child that just unnerves you. Yes, that's the it's a personal condition. No, I'm like <laughs> that thing when they yeah. when when they also yeah. unanimously attest that there were no children there. Well, and then they just they shrug it off. They just sort of like we're just gonna no children there when. I don't remember that when part. the photograph I the was photo taken because it's on my list. Yeah, when the oh. photograph. So, so all of them, the, all the skeptics in that room, the investigative <laughs> reporters and everything, they're all like, "Yeah, there were no children there at that time." But then they just don't even attempt to explain the photograph. I'm like, "How in the world do you explain that photograph if there were no children there?" Which you all attest to. Like, yeah, there were no children there, but then you know they photographed a child. Y- yeah, like you want to talk about that? <laughs> like, and you can hear Lorraine's voice. Uh-uh. Does anybody in here not believe in God? <laughs> Does anyone in <laughs> believe in God? <laughs> That's Sharon Warren. Um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Sharon Warren. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> Lord have mercy. When, oh man, and Danny is just like. <laughs> He is um, about to punch somebody. 
Whew. You know, let me slug. Yeesh. Oh, so I termed like this is just I, I took notes just very differently. Like my notes are funny, wild, plot, awkward, <laughs> theme. Yeesh was one of them. <laughs> so on my that ain't right list, it just says see yeesh. So Yeesh says when <laughs> you gotta choose your own adventure notes that you built for yourself. <laughs> yeah. Turn to page Yeesh. <laughs> <laughs> like, you making notes like, oh, you did. <laughs> I'm gonna have words with you after this is done. Um, um, <laughs> yeesh. But Yeesh was George and Kathy do promotional <laughs> tour for movies. Drop Danny off at a Catholic home where they attempt to exercise. Oh my time. gosh! What? That was that was jacked up like everything like the way he described i get we're dealing with a little bit of an unreliable narrator here but i was like if there's any reality to that which which all jokiness aside it's highly possible that there was some reality to all of that and i'm just like that is heinous what that poor child must have gone through at the hands of those people who because i've i've been adjacent even in non-catholic you know, Protestant slash Pentecostal and charismatic circles when they attempt some version of like mm-hmm. exorcism, if you will. And, and it's, I mean, it is, it's, it's, it's pretty voracious. It's, it, it's pretty uncomfortable. And it's, yeah, that, that whole sequence when they're just like doing the talk show circuit and he's experiencing all this stuff. Like, yeah. man, that's, that's not that's, a good look. No, it's jacked up. It's really jacked up. Um, I got one more. You got any more? No. I th- I, what's what's yours? Close us off. Read. You know how like in the film Donnie Darko, <clears throat> they mm. posit that the phrase cellar door is like I don't know if they say the most beautiful, but some some sort of high esteem they assign to this yeah. phrase. It's like yeah. the most beautiful or the most lovely phrase in the mm-hmm. English language is what they say in the movie Donnie Darko. You know what its antithesis is? <laughs> like if if you were to if you were to, if you were able to quantifiably assert that cellar door or something like it is just empirically the height of loveliness mm-hmm. in rhetorical form yeah yeah well it's it's equal and opposite counterpart are you ready for this oh boy i don't know if you'll recover is the phrase dumpster juice <laughs> Uh uh-uh. uh. Uh uh-uh. uh. Somebody in this movie, I don't remember who it was. It doesn't matter. I just wrote it down. The quote it says, <laughs> it, uh, I guess assuming a scent, a scent that's in the Amity House. It says it started out as a foul dumpster juice kind of smell, and oh, I'm just like, <laughs> I just <laughs> my soul left my body. Like, oh, oh nope, I'm out. <laughs> you can stay here with the dumpster juice. I'm going to heaven. <laughs> going like with Shireen Lauren oh, to get out of here. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> like like if the phrase cellar door conjures feelings of euphoria and yeah. just like mm. you know dumpster juice just makes you go <laughs> it makes you just retch it's like uh-uh. you know, just, oh, don't slurp uh-uh. after dumpster juice mama no <laughs> don't slurp your dumpster juice don't do that <laughs> oh my god you did you it. really are <laughs> it's your fault it's your fault I was like, don't you do that. That's your fault. 
<laughs> you did it. That's, that's about how I feel like uh, uh, parenting a 13, 11 year old these days. <laughs> she did it. No, she did it. You did it. Yeah, it's your fault. <laughs> go drink. Shut up and go drink the ginger juice. Oh, you my know. God. Oh, my God. That ain't right. Gosh. Yeah. That ain't right. That ain't right. Oh, man. Take us out of here. That sure as hell ain't right. Oh, man. This has already Ooh. been so much fun talking about this thing. So, like, Hard pivot. <laughs> no, not hard pivot. Like, I, so I found this. In, okay, so I found this interesting. I did find this interesting. I don't have like a a great formed question except for like, what do you think about this? But I did find it interesting where, and it's in the scene with Lorraine, where they ask her, do you think George, it, this should be noted for context. George Lutz was a character who the film establishes was negligible as a father figure, uh, potentially abusive as an individual in the home, um, and was interested in the occult in, in, in some capacity. There's question marks around, like, because Danny Lutz says he sees him move things with his mind and everything, but the his, George Lutz's fascination with the occult is not really in dispute from anybody in the film. Like, that, that's pretty uh, affirmed that he had an interest in the occult. And I believe it is the investigative reporter whose name was Laura asks Lorraine, says, do you think that George Lutz's proclivities and his personality combined with the heinous things that had taken place in this house right before the Lutz family moved in, which if, if you don't know anything about the backstory of this, um, there was a man by the name of Ronald DeFeo moved into this house, uh, this Amityville house, and his whole family was brutally murdered. And he was blamed for it. Um, and immediately following the DeFeo family massacre, the Lutz family moved in. And the question, and this is what I found fascinating, the question that was posed is, do you think the paranormal occurrences were... I forget exactly how she phrased it, but were a combination of George Lutz's personality combining with the the kind of things that had taken place in this house. And Lorraine doesn't fully affirm it, but she says it's a distinct possibility. I found it, I'll just say what I find interesting as a broad circle, is the concept of the power of suggestion and personal histories of a place. So some things that listeners will need to know that I do believe in is I do believe that certain people carry within them either a spiritual resonance, a psychological resonance, some sense of connectedness that makes them perhaps more susceptible to certain key insights or certain key things. I believe that's true both within my faith parameters and outside of it on psychological ramifications as well. I just believe that susceptibility is a thing. And at the same time, I believe that places carry a particular history. So if you visit, you know, a location like uh, where a battle took place many years ago and a bunch of people died, I do believe there is, if you want to call it some sense of like residue that stays there that you can't kind of escape from. In the same way you might feel it in small ways, like if you... Um, and I, I know this is going to be really atrocious, so I'm not trying to be glib or dismissive, but like if you visited a place where, where someone was lynched or if you visit a place where something truly horrific and heinous took place, 
And I do find it fascinating with those two fundamental entry points and beliefs, per a person's susceptibility, a place's residue. I do find it fascinating what would happen if certain volatile combinations were to come into the mix. Um, that is a subject that I do find interesting, uh, writ large, regardless of whether or not the character of Danny Lutz is is truly accurate in everything that he's describing, or if it's only merely the power of suggestion. Um, I'll say as a final button on that, just to pivot and get your your thoughts on the subject. There's a really interesting most most people who are broadly familiar with popular texts of the scripture will remember the story of Ezekiel and the dry bones, where um, mm-hmm. Ezekiel calls forth to life the dry bones. What has <clears throat> an aspect of that story that's always fascinated me, but is much less talked about, is in the chapter before the chapter about dry bones, Ezekiel prophesies to the land. He prophesies like to the mountains, and he prophesies to the place where they were. And I've always found that interesting as a concept of like that the ground, the land might carry a bit of um, template, if you will, of what had happened there before or what was about to happen. And what would it be like if someone more heightened in a heightened way susceptible to those kind of things were to set foot in that kind of space. I, I just find that interesting. And I don't know if you have any concrete thoughts about that or if you're just like, huh, yeah, that is interesting. But I don't know. Hmm. Yeah. That is interesting. <laughs> I know. It's like because I uh, yeah, go I, ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want to steal no, it back. But just just yeah. do it, Reed. Just no, do it. No. Just, just say all you want. No, I did. I've just I was gonna pick up the baton if you had nothing much else to say about it, but I I actively want to I'm inviting your thoughts on the subject. I mean I think that I don't know that I would say I've experienced it that much, but I do think a place, a geography could be hallowed. I'm thinking specifically for my experience oft referenced at this point of EJI and mm-hmm. how mm-hmm. and actually I didn't mean to walk into this, but you know, you even cited the the trauma of lynching and that sort of terror. EJI was specifically established where it is because of its history with the slave trade. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Wow, yeah. In Montgomery. Yeah. Like, and so it is an effort to redeem a geography, mm. uh, to to christen it, to hallow it, to, right, right, you know, save it, yeah. Um, and it's interesting. I wasn't thinking about that aspect when I when that came to mind. All I was thinking was, oh, the notion of okay, well, if a geography can be. I'm using this word. You didn't, but the idea applies. If a geography can be haunted, it so too can be hallowed. Yes. Yeah. Not, not thinking that that real world geography in this case, where EGI is located is, is, is both. It it was one and now is the other. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And that, that commingling creates this really kind of transcendent, transcendent effect. Um, You know, as for, I just don't know enough kind of like sure i sure. watch this documentary and it intentionally gives you all of it it just kind of info yeah. dumps all yeah. this stuff filtered through danny and you're like i don't i don't really know what you're, you're kind of more along for the ride like this is just an interesting kind of character study mm-hmm. you know getting his point of view 
on these things that third parties, I don't mean they critique, I don't like earlier I said, oh, people who are rationalizing his, his descriptions. I don't mean that, but I mean, there are third party elements in the documentary that invalidate some of what he says. Yes. Right. Right. And the film, the documentary itself ends with, you know, there have been, I don't know, I think it, I think it was five, five other families, uh, yeah, families in residence at this house, none of whom report any similar disturbances. Right. And so, right. you know, you aren't asking the question of, of can a place be X or Y, but just more pondering and meditating on the notion of it as an idea. And it's like, well, I don't know if, if George was, <laughs> you know, uh, I'm sorry. I just, uh, no, no brother were out there. Quote just came to mind. No <laughs> brother, right there. Um, oh, George, not the livestock. Um, <laughs> if he was into the occult and channeled these particular things at this particular point in time at this particular place in the wake of the DeFeo incident, could that be a thing? Sure, maybe. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, you know, it's just fascinating. But like last week on Leap of Faith, and this, I feel like this has come up another time or two recently. This idea of mythologizing. Yes. And yeah. And on the one hand, I, I want to, this is going to sound weird, but you know what I'm saying? On the one hand, I want to protect Danny from the psychoanalyzing, mm-hmm. right? Just, just enter into this dude's trauma and pain. Right. Right. On the other hand, you can't ignore that the trauma and pain create a vicious cocktail. Yes. In a human's experience of their own life. Mm-hmm. And that's what, like, one of the most, I don't know if you have more you want to say about location-based sort of trauma or redemption, but one of the most powerful bits in the whole documentary that I don't have a ton to say off the top of my head or written down, but that just really kind of moved me is to the previous curly-haired psychiatrist, she of whom a relocation was a source of trauma. Um, He says to her (laughs) in identifying himself, he says, you're talking to Danny Daniel's bodyguard. Mm. I walk around all day trying to protect that 10 year old kid. Yeah. Yeah. And that's as beautiful as it is utterly jacked up. Yeah. You know, right. And, and maybe I, I say that that that's sort of a a, a knee jerk sort of assessment. I, I don't know that it is jacked up. But it might be more beautiful than that. Um, but it was just really fascinating that this is how this is the story he tells himself. Like mm-hmm. this is how mm-hmm. he functions. And and yeah, yeah. I <clears throat> so I have a a story that I will share in. Not great detail. I will share just uh, sidestepping through key details because I'm sharing it with intent to make a point, not to sensationalize a thing. Um, I'm also going to give a shout out to friend of the show and and recurring and and last week's guest, Andrew Nelson. Um, He and I were conversing about this subject that I'm about to bring up. I had an experience in my life wherein without getting into a bunch of sensationalized details because I actively do not want to sensationalize the story. I had an encounter with another individual who's in my home 
and without bringing, again, actively, I'm desensationalizing it. The encounter with this individual was of a potentially supernatural nature, not in so much as things began to move around the room or anything, but in the way this person behaved while he was in my home was very clearly not healthy, was very clearly not well, and at the time directly correlated to stereotypes of somebody who is spiritually oppressed or somebody who might even to a certain degree be spiritually vexed or possibly even possessed. And again, I'm skirting by details of that story. That person was in my home. We had an in- we we had an interaction that was of a very faith-based deliberate spiritual nature in which I'm invoking things and praying and then when things returned to normal after a brief period of time I ur- urgently moved him out of my home like things returned to normal after some prayer and after some things occurred and then I got him out of my house and after I got him out of my house I called some friends to come over and pray with me and all that other kind of stuff now I'm bringing that up because a couple of years later a couple of years following my interaction with this person the person was brought up on criminal charges for animal cruelty. And the charges were rooted in the fact that he had, as the description in the news article, he had performed, uh, again, I'm not trying to be sensationalized. This is the, the cold facts of the case. He had performed what the article described as a potentially ritual murder on the family pet. And that and it was brought up on charges for which he was convicted of animal cruelty and such. And so I had this personalized experience of this person who had experienced, again, what I deemed to be to some degree supernatural, find out later that he was brought up on charges of animal cruelty because of potentially into some occultish kind of things. Those dots connecting, I'm going to come back to the conversation that I had with Andrew because Andrew and I had, I won't call him out for things that he's not here to, to properly represent himself, but he had a very helpful perspective on, again, this subject of the power of suggestion and the subject of people who are dealing with a version of mental illness, but then that version of improperly diagnosed mental illness then latches on to a couple of key suggestions and then things just begin to explode and things begin to just go a bit haywire. And one of the things that I very sensitively and very earnestly want to express is I do believe in uh, 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 you and I were having a conversation outside of this about social subjects and people who will dismiss certain traumas let me just not dance around in the issues. There was somebody who I know who, um, when recent tragedies involving gun violence happened, they would say, in, a, in an almost passive way that I found um, kind of offensive, would almost say, like, this is a spiritual issue. Like, in other words, we just need Jesus. This is just a spiritual sure. issue, and we just need Jesus. And I, uh, to you, my friend, to whom I felt safe, kind of went off a little bit, just you and I you know, sharing our thoughts with one another and just kind of being a ventilation for each other. I kind of went off a little bit. I was like, everything's a spiritual issue. There's also practical implications. There's also pragmatic implications, but everything's a spiritual issue. Um, everything that we, that we do and that we engage with has a spiritual component to it in my belief, because I believe we're spiritual beings. And so while you want, while we want to compartmentalize things 
too much by my estimation into, well, that's a spiritual subject and this is a physical subject. I want to be more of an integrated mindset where I'm like, no, 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 it, it it's all got both. Like it's all got both practical, sure. pragmatic and spiritual ramifications. So everything you engage with from the food that you choose to order, from the place that you choose to frequent, from the clothes that you choose to wear and where you chose to buy them, all of those things have both practical, pragmatic and spiritual ramifications. Some of which may be so, so far under the radar that we can't ascertain or discern them. And some of which might be more overt. And what a film like My Amityville Horror speaks to me about is about the need to be mindful and to be diligent to certain places that I do think might have a certain hauntedness to them because of trauma that took place there, because of trauma that is taking place there. Because you mentioned about the redemption of of certain spaces and everything, and I'm like, at, at the risk of being a bit too glib, um, the ways in which abuses that have taken place in the church, like you want to talk about, is that place hallowed or haunted? How do we unpack all of that? How do we unravel all of the the histories the way we would almost uh, jokingly say, if these walls could talk? Yeah, the walls probably have some stories to tell. Mm-hmm. They probably have... Uh, uh, histories to share, not all of which we would be very happy to hear about, but maybe some of which we need to hear about and need to learn about. And there is, um, I'm growing in a confidence to express the belief that yes, when a person has a particular sensitivity and then that person steps place into a, into a, a space that has a particular history, I do think it's possible that some kind of volcanic combinations might occur and i think the converse is also possible that such a space i do believe such a space could be redeemed i do believe such a space could be um (laughs) don't hear what i'm not saying i'm not saying oh whenever you move into a new house if that house has a sketchy history then invite a priest over for an exorcism like i'm not you know inviting all kinds of the extremities of these examples but i do think that our continual action leaves a residue in the places where we are and the places where we were and in the people that we were there with. And I think some of those histories are beautiful and some of those histories are ugly. And I think that it is possible if we have a certain sensitivity or susceptibility and we step into a place, step into a particular space, I don't think it's absolutely crazy or absolutely outlandish to say, hey, there's some spiritual ramifications here that need to be addressed or that we at the very least need to be mindful of, even if all that is, is working to make better choices, working to acknowledge and, and, and consecrate certain histories that need to be, you know, un- unearthed and uncovered. I don't know. That's, that's my thoughts. Well, on it's, it's interesting. You, you are connecting some dots for me here because what could be viewed as tragically comic but ultimately is more tragedy was at least how it's presented in the movie, in the documentary is a moment where the story is being told of the Lutz family buying the house. Yes. Yeah. And the mom telling the kids like the day of purchase, like mm-hmm. they were closing or whatever. Yeah. Hey, by the way, a family was murdered here. Would that be a problem for you? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so it's funny. 
it, it's been a while since I've talked about EJI. And so, you know, um, people will, listeners will forgive the indulgence. Like as that's resting in my spirit and this whole conversation, it took uh, a place isn't redeemed by accident. Mm. Mm. Um, you know, ignoring the singular person of Brian Stevenson for a second and just the idea of EJI itself occupying a desecrated land yeah and planting a garden there metaphorically mm. speaking mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the Lutz family knowing parentally yeah what they're walking into and not seeking to do the same like like mm. the movie the movie is a, the documentary to you know you made the point it seems it seems verifiable that george was into the occult and so what i'm the point i'm trying to make is the intention might have been the opposite right like yeah, you take an right. eji trying to redeem a land mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, with an opposite force of expression right whereas potentially potentially based on what we are given in this film that's I'll, I'll frame it that way what we're given in the film seems to suggest there was no sense of of rejecting what had been and in fact either being super casual about it at the at the least right and right. kind of embracing and channeling it at the worst mm-hmm. you know and and your because i know this weighs heavy on you because it weighs and it does equally so on me this you invoked the notion of the church yeah. and as uh, and, and a building and it's, it's stories. And, you know, this is just Nathan, uh, just brain trains in the places they can go. And I thought a lot about our, the nightmare end of conversation and this idea of new wine and, and, mm-hmm. and how we, how there's a world we almost, there's a world we almost don't give Jesus enough credit. Mm-hmm. Like we still rely on the old. Yes. All the time. Mm-hmm. And the old and don't, you know, I'll, I'll just say the thing, you know, the old abuses us and traumatizes us yeah, and perverts right. us and, mm-hmm. and harrows us. And, you know, you're invoking the notion of the church and, and this idea of desecrated space. And, and like what I can't, what came to mind when you said that was the idea of institution, the idea that chattel slavery in this country was an institution that got broken, right. got removed, even if it's, tendrils linger and uh uh the tendrils of the institution linger the vestiges of its desire remain right and inflamed uh even if it doesn't look quite the same and what was birthed atop that in that broken institution mm-hmm. was a new mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and how you so I'm, i am blaming you but i'm <laughs> i'm blaming myself for where i'm going with the thought is you 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 kind of say the word church and throw a question mark on the end of it. And I think that's a valid yeah, right. note. Mm-hmm. I don't think church has to, or is supposed to 
look exactly like it always has. Right. And, and if anything, it's supposed to look different because, you know, Jesus will never, but times will come where a thing looking like it always has will wear out its welcome mm-hmm. because of the human debris left in its wake. Yeah. Here's the beautiful thing. The, the beautiful thing, Reed, I'm gonna go share on you. <laughs> like sometimes, you know, you know how you envision the, um, I don't mean accuser in a capital A kind of way, but the, the opposing person in your brain sometimes is like, Oh yeah, well, you know, you better, you better keep your thoughts orthodox. You better keep your views sort of sure. mainline of yeah, how they've been. Of Cause you drift too far and you're not even really a Christian anymore. Mm-hmm. One F that <laughs> yeah, voice. But two, this is what I mean. Like maybe we don't even give Jesus enough credit, like push past what has been because my God, the level of abuse and trauma. Can we escape human capacity for inflicting pain on each other? No, no, we can't. I get it. I'm not even suggesting that's the case. I am saying, I remember, I'll never forget. And people who would not like this person are still won't. So they'll just be like, of course, that's a thing Nathan would quote. <laughs> I remember reading, I remember reading new kind of Christian almost mm. you know, 15, 16 years ago, Brian McLaren. And I'll never forget this little anecdote in that book and those, those books, that little trio of books was pretty revolutionary for me at the time. Yeah. And he basically said, he's like, you know, Christians a thousand years ago would look at us and be like, you're not a Christian, <laughs> you know, like what this, right. this weird allegiance we have to, well, that's the way it's always been. And that's right. right. The way it's always supposed to be. And I'm, and I'm saying that by this, by saying, or, or why I'm saying that, why I linger there long at all is inflection points are good. Yeah. Right. right. Like, like it doesn't mean, uh, abandon all. It doesn't mean, uh, run from what has been positive, fruitful, good, beautiful, lovely, true. Right. right just means, course. just means new wine. And, you know, you said something last week that just, I loved, 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 loved. Um, you were invoking the book you had read late 21 and applying it to the serpent and the rainbow. Mm. And that's on our patron segment. If you're not a patron, you should join patron. It's, it's really fun and you should come and all the cool kids are doing it. But, um, (laughs) you made this comment about the desire to see the Christ at work in what is not yours. Right. Yeah, right. I'm, I'm right. paraphrasing, mm-hmm. but that's, yeah. that's how I heard it. I remember. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And dude, God, what, what if, what mm-hmm. if you, what if you leaned into that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What if you leaned into that and said, I'm not saying everything that's come hasn't had a glimmer of the Christ in it. Yeah. But it's not the only glimmer. No, 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 no. No, something and that, as, and I'm sorry, as a final point, there, no, I'm sorry, no. as a final point there, but so it doesn't seem like I'm just rambling is there can come a time, uh, when an institution can be reshaped at the least. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a way to put it. That's safe. Sure. Sure. When you invoked a couple of weeks ago, new, camp- I love when we pat each other on the back. I know. I know. Them. Look at us. The, look at us. We're so cool. Um, <laughs> the um, 
when you invoked you can't put new wine into old wineskins, something that I should have brought up to you off pod multiple times, but the the yes and that kept bouncing around in my spirit and that I've almost meditated on as much, if not more, than that you can't put new wine into old wineskins is the question that was asked of the people, why do you seek the living among the dead? And when the women came to the tomb in Luke chapter 24, and they were asked, why do you seek the living among the dead? Jesus is not here. And I've thought about that a lot in this notion of what we're talking about now, the, 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 the old that because of its familiarity and because of its structure and its history, we it's can be comfort. In, it's comfort. Absolutely. We can be inclined to invoke as the ultimate, as the end of things. And I have been pondering that question a lot as people continue to try to circle around the, well, yeah, but you know, this is you cited institution. Well, this is the institution. This is the, this is the ordained place. And I keep getting hit with that question. Why are you seeking the living among the dead? doesn't mean Christ was never there, but why are you seeking the living among the dead? He's not here. And I feel like it's important for us to remember in places, spaces, our own sensitivities and susceptibilities. I keep wanting to just invoke in this whole conversation of just like, listen, that just that word, like, just listen. Here we are, two people with microphones. And so it feels a bit um, self-contradicting to say this, but it comes a point to just be silent and to just listen, like just, just where you are, just stop and listen and pay attention uh, because, again, getting back to what I kind of got fired up about, when susceptibilities and sensitivities meet histories and and places like something could really be, something could really transpire in that way. But I think it requires a certain degree of humility, and I think it requires a certain degree of just like listen, just listen, because so many times when people want to try to. It feels like we're going backwards in some ways where somebody will try to raise their hand or try to initiate a voice or try to initiate a, a conversation about something, and then they get shut down or silenced because like, no, 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 that's that's moving away from what we know and what we're familiar with and, and everything like that. Or just straight up disbelief. Like, I wonder what would have happened in that moment if when all these Amityville shockings and horrors were happening, like, I don't know what the mindset of the people were there. But I wonder what would have happened if people didn't come in to either prove or disprove the thing, but just to listen. Like, let me just pay attention to the family. Let me just pay attention to the children. Let me listen to what they're having to say. I do get the sense, maybe because of my affection for her, because of Vera Farmiga and Patrick Wilson and how I love those two individuals. But I do get the sense that like maybe the Warrens tried to do a version of that where they took the kids for a walk and just tried to listen and just tried to talk. But that's what I keep wanting to say is just that, you know, susceptibilities and sensitivities exist. Histories exist, but we keep trying to go back to what we know and to what we understand. And I think that is new wine and old wineskins. And I think that is seeking the living among the dead. And I think at a certain point we have to just stop. We have to just listen. And we have to just, just try to hear what's being said and try to, you know, seek to understand what's being said so that we have a chance to maybe move forward in that and either redeem the spaces that we're standing in or move on from them. 
if that be what's what's called for. Um, anyway, that's. I mean, uh, yeah. this you know, um, <laughs> this sort of image just came to me of the joining and availing oneself of the haunted history of a place mm. versus the naming potentially dismantling reshaping of a of a of a haunted place into yeah. something hallowed yeah and again it's, this is this is not me beating things up y'all it is just me reflecting out loud things that rattle around in my spirit as i just live and breathe and go through my days trying to keep my friggin' head above water amidst you know just what can sometimes feel like the torrent of just awful the dumpster juice of <laughs> life uh that's a good callback yeah, um but read like the lutz's daddy lutz came to this place potentially to partner with and avail of yes mm-hmm. you asked the question i'm phrasing it the way i heard it church question mark read this this southern baptist church report and how for years they set up stuff helplines that they willfully repressed what came through yeah of course that they deflected and they denied and they silenced Mm -hmm. and they turned away and they knew it Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like there's (sighs) here here the sensitivity and compassion here there's murdering five people in a house and there's laying waste to generations yeah. of Christians' safety. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and ignore even Christians, just good people mm-hmm. who came to a place expecting comfort and care. Yes. And were denied. And, yeah. and not just denied. Turned yeah. away. Mm-hmm. And worse. Um, they found only the... No, absolutely. They found only what Christ described as like whitewashed tombs because sure shiny pretty on the outside but inside full of nothing but just a lot of corruption and a lot of dead bones and yeah and here this is my last button i'm promise because i want to go to sleep tonight. <laughs> but i hear and this is this is a personality thing i hear your contrasting imagery of don't see the living among the dead and i get it and i think it's it works and I think it illustrates, but you know why I like the new wine part so much that mm. image so much is it's, it's renewing. It's saying, you know, there's dead and there's living zero and one in mm-hmm. out, mm-hmm. you know, I'm being reductive there, but you know what I'm saying? Don't seek the living among the dead. Cool. Got it. Okay. Well, what about 10 years down the line when, uh, are we still operating under that paradigm? Whereas mm-hmm. thing I love, this is just party me who just loves, it's like, oh snap! Look, there's new wine over here. Okay, mm-hmm. okay, we're we're kind of supping here, and and Jesus is here, and we're communing together. And ah, oh, man, this mm-hmm. salt is losing its saltiness. Something's going sideways. We're not quite doing it right. Oh snap! There's new wine over here. You know what I mean? And it's not. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, it's not squirrel. It is. Where is it freshest? Where is that new most active? Mm-hmm. And the capacity and ability to carry with you in this 
mental image I'm conjuring from station to station, the things that were good. It's like, oh, snap. We are just like mm -hmm. desecrating generations of people's safety and sanctity. And uh, we got to get out of here. New wine over here. You know, anyway, point yeah. being, that's one reason I really appreciate that that metaphor. Well, and I think, and, and I say this in utmost sincerity, the living among the dead resonates more with me, the new wine more with you. And I think there's wisdom and value in saying like, look, whatever, whatever it is that captivates the imagination and seeks you to pursue Christ in that place, follow that. Like whatever it is that, right. that, cause I would, you know, vigorously say the Lord knows how to communicate the movement of his spirit to you. I say that, you know, like I, something that you unlocked a, a couple of weeks ago that I'm trying to get a little bit bolder at is I'm tired of people stealing my language. So I'm going to start yeah. invoking my language more. I mean, you don't have to get yeah. like fiery at me. No, but, no, no. Yeah. I'm not getting fiery at you. I'm getting, <laughs> I'm getting fiery at the people who would be like, you know, like, I, and I, I mean this with profound passion, you know, that I deeply believe that the Lord knows how to ignite the imagination of a person to say, come follow me. And mm -hmm. for some people that's going to be, I'm going to make you fishers of men. And for some people, that's going to be like, I'm going to go visit your house, come down from the tree. I'm going to go visit your house. And for some other people, it's just going to be, you know, simple cup of cold water or something. But the Lord knows how to invite and invigorate the imagination. And even more so, why I get passionate about whether it be new wine and old, you know, new wine and new wineskins or the living among the dead is be like, look, there is a way that the spirit is calling to you to say like, hey, come forth, come forward, not backwards, not over there come forward and mm -hmm. i think the come forward the the lazarus come forth if you will that's that's the language and the imagery that invokes my imagination to say like no 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 like like come forth move forward move on and uh and i would encourage anybody listening to this conversation to say like i deeply am convicted by the fact that i believe the holy spirit right now is seeking through the power of imagination and and deep calling to deep to invoke spirit to and and for some people it's going to be you can't put new wine in old wineskins, and for some people it's going to be you can't seek the living among the dead, and for other people it may be a myriad of other bits of language or, or a root of metaphor to which the Lord will say, like, hey, come forth. Whatever it is, he knows, I believe. But it's, yeah. but it's all with the intention. So that with one, when one fierce old lady says, does anyone here not believe in God? <laughs> Ain't nobody going to be like, uh, mm -mm. well, that's just that's my journey. <laughs> <laughs> like about journey, like journey. Listen, journey? Listener, I'm very sensitive to your journey. I love your journey. You are on your journey. Take your journey. <laughs> I'm along with it with you. I'm just, it's just, Ugh. I'm not raising my hand when that lady asked that question. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'll be like, ma'am, I am tonight. That is right. That is right. Oh man, I'm no. ba shake this dumpster juice off of me. <laughs> no, no way. I, I get, uh, I do get invigorated by it, not in a contentious way, but in an excited way. To know that it's, I, I, it just helps to know it's not over, Nathan. Mm. Like sometimes it just helps to know it's not over, that it's not gone, that there's something ahead that can be looked forward to and can be pursued and can be chased after. It is helpful to know that it's not over and it's not gone. Um, it only ends once, Reed. Everything else is just progress. progress. Yep, that's exactly right. Um, so, yeah, that having been said, uh, you want to put, the old my Amityville horror, your Amityville horror, somebody's Amityville horror in the. Uh, <laughs> you get an Amityville horror. You get an Amityville horror. In the yeah, uh, yeah. So what's the fog meter then? Well, Reed, 
the you know what's really funny is tonight i was at a work appointment mm. in some people's house right and like one of their like the mother-in-law was there too, like helping with the kid. Sure. And she yeah. just passed through the room and I was greeting her and saying hello. And she's like, you should be on radio. And I was like, well, here, you should listen to the fear of God. As a matter of fact, I got receipts. <laughs> here you go. Right, right, right. I'm like, oh, you've got all this uh, scriptural iconography all over the house. I'm sure you're going to love the horror movies we talk about. Um, the fear of God. I'm sorry. The fear, uh, the fog, fog meter. <laughs> That's what I'm looking for. <laughs> um, our very own special metric wherein we uh, rate the films we discuss on a measure of fear and God. How scary a thing is, how substantive a thing is. Um, I'll start with the fear. Um, mm-hmm. The movie itself isn't that scary, but the undercurrent of that unreliability, like the Mm -hmm. kind of unmoored from certifiable, you know, perspective creates a a sort of dissonant feel and all of that punctuated with that. I joked earlier, are you talking to me? Like when the director says, will you take a lie detector? And Danny says, I'm going to have words with you after this is done. He looks effectively at the camera. He's looking right off of camera. That's where the director's sitting. But it feels like he's staring right at you when he, glares oh yeah so that unreliable component coupled with the button on the end it's a it's five i'll give it a five yeah yeah i as you were talking was landing at a five myself because i think that's appropriate for this there is an unnerving quality to it that i think merits at least a five um for myself i will also uh say on the god meter it raises some interesting questions but i also don't necessarily think it draws a tremendous amount of conclusions from those questions that it that it raises and again i cited early on in this episode that i have my doubts about the particular intentions of the filmmaker not that he made a bad film but just like you know what what are you trying to convey here what are you trying to 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 show to that end so i'm actually going to land at a 5 for the god meter as well uh for myself for those reasons what about for you um, only because I don't totally share the the concern, though you, you may actually be right, but it just didn't strike me until you brought it up mm. about the um, intentions of the total piece. I do think it's a pretty fascinating just sort of character study on because yeah. you're, you know, you're not wrong. The, the, the sense of potential exploitation is is definitely there. Mm. Um, but taking it on its face, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to land at a six because I think, I do think the overall piece is trying to, uh, uh, get to the heart of something yeah. and whether yeah. that's the heart of the character, Danny Lutz or the heart of the truth of what might or might not have happened in this house. Uh, and it's, it's means of getting there is very interesting to me. So yeah, I'll land at a six. Okay. So, the unrounded number is 5.25, but we're going to round it to a five and a half or five and a, out of 10 on the fog meter. Um, and the pertinent question is, do you recommend my Amityville horror, uh, direct? I actually have it pulled up now directed by one, Mr. Eric Walter. Yeah, I thought it was really good. I mm-hmm. think, I mean, I didn't know any of the backstory, so I, I didn't feel like I was, 
in the dark as to sure. the conversation. And it's just a pretty compelling documentary. Yeah, I agree. I would recommend it. I think it's really interesting. And I don't think it's going to be the kind of thing that's going to give anybody the heebie-jeebies. Like you just get because Danny Lutz is know, just that little boy in that photo. Oh, my gosh. That ain't right. That ain't right. Um, and also, I will say, if you're fans of the Conjuring films, like you get a good 15 minutes of the real Lorraine Warren in those scenes, and that's interesting to watch uh, just for a variety of different reasons. We've made both jokey and sincere comments about that scene. But yeah, Lorraine Warren is in it for a good 15 minutes, and even if you just have a passing fascination with the Conjuring films, that's worth kind of checking it out to see her presence there. And uh, yeah, overall, I think it's a pretty interesting and pretty compelling piece of uh piece of film so yeah that is my amityville horror which was highly voted on by the patrons as these things have been next week uh as as we had to do with like the cage series and with the animated series and everything like that uh so there were some easy front runners which the patrons very definitively voted on they were like talk about the nightmare talk about my amityville horror and then uh there was a swath of things that had uh kind of like we had to break a tie so this next this next piece that we are going to uh, be concluding our series on Docu Scared uh, for next week is uh, one of the broken ties. Uh, so it, it was tied with a number of others, and I kind of picked this out of that tied hat. Um, we're going to be talking about a film that I saw a number of years ago, and I'm excited to revisit. The name of the film is Best Worst Movie. So that's the name of the film, Best mm-hmm. Worst Movie. It is a documentary about the uh, cult classic fandom surrounding the absolutely atrocious film Troll 2. Uh, No, you do not have to have seen Troll 2 to appreciate Best Worst Movie. Best Worst Movie is a very fun and very interesting documentary that I think people will have a very good time watching. Highly recommend it. Fast forwarding to next week. It's called Best Worst Movie. So you're going to want to watch that. We are also going to be covering, for the patron segment, we're going to be covering two episodes of Cursed Films to round out that series. Um, We are going to be covering the Cursed Films episode, the Cursed Films Shutter series that we've been covering in the patron segment. We're going to be covering the Cursed Films episodes on The Crow and on Twilight Zone, the movie. I will issue a word of warning that in those, uh, it does deal with a little bit of sensitivity around a death on film and some footage is shown. So with a little bit of discretion to that end, um, the, the cursed films episodes on the crow and on twilight zone, the movie, and then we'll be talking in the full conversation, uh, non-patron segment on best worst movie. So that is going to round out our docu scared series before we get on to some more fun and invigorating things. Nathan, thank you so much for mm-hmm. watching Miamiville Horror and talking through these things with me as always. And listeners, thank you as well. As we say on every episode, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but not the end of the conversation. And in that spirit, we encourage you to fear nothing else and be on your way rejoicing. We'll see you next week, everybody. Bye. See you guys. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but not the end of the conversation. And you can continue the conversation in a variety of ways. Start by visiting thefearofgodpodcast.com for links to our social media, essays, and episode archive merchandise and more. 
If you love what we do, please consider becoming a patron by visiting patreon.com slash thefearofgodpodcast. There you'll unlock exclusive bonus episodes, extended standard episodes, online event access, and so much more. We want to issue a special thanks to Jacob Hunt of tracermatula.com for our artwork, also to our assortment of talented musicians, including Andrew Nelson, The Island Family, and Jackson Harper for our varied show tunes, and also to Lee Wright, who helped me, Reed Lackey, write our theme music. Special thanks also to Tyler Smith at morethanonelesson.com. Lastly, be sure to subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice, and if you listen to us through Apple Podcasts, we would greatly appreciate a rating and a review. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next week. Hi, everybody.